Welcome to episode number eight of the Tie Walls podcast featuring Makai Lewis. This young man has captured the hearts of so many Hokie fans this past few years as a ferocious competitor on the mat and a kind and humble human being off of the mat. Everyone surrounding the program was thrilled to hear that he was going to be coming back for his very last year of eligibility, and in this episode, we talk about that along with much more. Before the show begins, I am proud to announce my first sponsor, the Taylor team at Remax 8 in Christiansburg. Buying or selling a home is an important decision that can sometimes be complicated but doesn't have to be difficult. That's why it's crucial to take an informed and well-planned approach when choosing the right real estate agent to help. The Taylor team at Remax 8 in Christiansburg serves the Roanoke Valley, New River Valley, and Southwest Virginia. Their knowledge of the area, along with a network of relationships, enable them to open doors for their clients on all sides of the property equation. Whether you're looking for land, building a new home, buying, selling, renting, or investing, the Taylor team is committed to work hard as your agent to get the job done. For more information, go to taylorteamrealtors.com or call Brian Taylor at 540-315-5880. Thank you very much for chatting with me today. We just finished up a great morning workout. What do you have on tap for the rest of this lovely afternoon here in Blacksburg? Well, thanks for having me on this podcast. I appreciate it. And um, so after I guess I get off here, I'm going to take my dog out, play with him, get him tired. And then me and Ethan are going to go to this Jamaican food truck that sometimes goes to sometimes it's in Blacksburg sometimes it's in Christiansburg I think today it's going to be in Christiansburg and we're going to have some Jamaican food I might go over to his place and like uh chill out for a little while and then probably just head back home very nice very nice so you got do you got Cujo crated up right now yeah he's in his crate he's kind of pissed off so I'm gonna like make sure I, I like take him out he plays for a little while outside have you had him now for like roughly a year or two years? Uh, so it's going almost on a year. It'll be a year in July. July, his birthday is July seventeenth, so he'll turn a year. But nice. technically, it'll be a year. Technically, around like August or like end of August, early September. Do you have any regrets about getting a dog? Yes, I only asked that. I only asked that because I had to have Tots have surgery last week, and I'm like, uh-huh. bro, why did I get you? Like, yeah. like you're miserable. I'm poor now. Like, why, why, why are we doing this? The only thing is, it's like I have to be so careful with anything he eats or. Like, I have to make sure he plays and, like, he has, like, enough time, like, where he, like, get exerts energy and, like, uh, is, like, able to, like, play because, like, our schedule is so busy being, like, wrestlers that, like, sometimes, like, I come home exhausted and he's, like, has a whole bunch of energy. So, like, that's kind of, that's a little bit of a regret I have. Also, expenses, too. Like, <laughs> he, like, tore through three beds in one week one time oh man and like these beds yeah like i bought him a bed that cost thirty dollars and i bought him another bed that cost twenty dollars and i bought him another bed that cost like fifteen dollars i was like those are like meals that i could be like spending on myself <laughs> but instead i bought him a bed because each time he rips through it and like the most expensive one because i bought it last i was like well he ain't gonna be able to get through this one and he just tore through, like, I kid you not, I, like, placed it in his cage. 
not even like an hour later, I'll walk out, I'll see like like stuffing like around him. I'm like, how? We, like how? We went through the same exact thing with Tots where we bought him like this fluffy bed. We put it in his crate so he had like a nice cozy little area, literally living in luxury. And yeah, we come home, it's all tore up. We, we get them like this yeah. tougher one. And we're like, all right, like this should be good. Maybe you just didn't like how fluffy that last one was. Tears it up. Mm -hmm. We get them this like indestructible one. We come home and it's tore up. We're like, all right, dude. And now, mm -hmm. now he just gets one blanket and the the bottom of the crate. It's like you, mm -hmm. you had the whole world and you just destroyed it. And now we can't trust you. And, and that's what I'm about to do. So like right now, I don't really have a blanket for him. So I'll let him sleep on the couch with me as long as I'm on the couch with him. And I'll let him take his naps and stuff like on the couch. And normally he wouldn't like tear through like the couch, especially if he sees me right there. He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble. But when he goes to sleep now, it's just like he's on like that hard like surface in his crate. So I kind of feel bad. So like soon I'm gonna like try to get him like a blanket and then see if like that will work. But also I'm worried he's gonna get tangled up in it because he rolls around a lot. Yeah, so. yeah. Now that I have like a baby and I'm worried about her dying more, like getting cuddled or like getting tangled up in blankets and stuff, I'm more like, all right, dogs, good luck. I think you're gonna be all right. <laughs> uh, it's just like, it's, it's lower on the totem pole now where it's like, yeah, you know, worst case scenario, you know, I have one less responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Because to be honest with you, too, like, I, I didn't realize. So the other day, I got, like, a bone for him. And, like, I was, like, looking around, like, where his bone go? And it was under the couch. So then I ended up, like, finding a bone that he already has, like, been chewing on. He's, like, almost chewed through. And, like, I realized, like, he was chewing on it and, like, like it was no bone. I was like, oh, he about to choke. Yeah. So like I had to literally like, yeah, I was like, I like had to literally like grab him, reach down his mouth and like take this bone out. Cause I like all of a sudden I just see him like choking on it. I had to throw that away. Then I had to get the other bone from under the couch and give that back to him. And like this bone is huge, but and he loves it. But he just always puts it on the couch for some reason. I don't know why. I've done the same thing before, too, where we don't let Tots chew his bones unsupervised. But Gigi's fine. Yeah. Like, she, yeah. I could leave her alone, like, crateless in our house, and, and I could come home, and she'd, like, have food ready for herself. She's so independent, just, mm -hmm. and takes good care of herself. But Tots is the one that's, like, I'll turn my back for a second, and he somehow ran into something and poked his eyeball. And it's, like yeah yeah but dogs man they're they're a whole other responsibility um but to segue away from dogs to more pertinent topic you just announced a few weeks ago that you would be coming back for your final year of eligibility with the Hokies what led you to make that decision um it was a lot but ultimately it was like not trying to have a regret you know like down like along the lines of like, you know, when I'm older and being like, well, what if I did wrestle, you know, or like, what if I like had the chance to, you know, be back in the finals again or possibly win nationals again? Or what if I was like on a team who won a team trophy or like a team championship? Like I wouldn't want to have that regret of being like, what if, you know? Yeah. So that was like one of the main factors. Also, like, it can never hurt, like, you know, I'm getting another opportunity in school to, like, graduate with, like, now a master's. And then also just being able to, like, you know, be in college for another year. Because, like, you know, adulthood is not easy. And, like, when you first get out of college, like, a lot of people, some people don't know what they're doing, but other people don't. Like, for me, like, I kind of know what I want to do, but at the same time, like, it's always switching up and changing. So like, it's giving me another year to like, actually like take steps and put stuff into place for after college. And then um, this final year, just, just seeing if, if competing is something I want to continue to do after, because I really want to like, just figure out if 
like, is this it? You know, is this like my last year of competing like ever? Or is it like, you know, I could see myself, you know, still trying to wrestle and uh, trying to continue like after and trying to wrestle like uh, for a, like world and Olympic teams. So this is like another opportunity to like give him myself the chance to be like, like, am I done or like, like, should I continue on after? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it, it sounds like the, the decision to come back can give you a lot of time and give you another year to kind of uh, reflect and make better moves for your future moving forward. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, sorry for cutting you off. But like another thing too, it was like, um, just being able to like be around like everybody for one more year or two and like to spread like, I guess my knowledge on like people who are coming in and people who want to be like probably in my shoes, like in the future of like trying to win nationals or, uh, you know, just trying to like, be an all-american so i feel like helping out some of the younger guys too i could like uh you know spread some of my wisdom that i have so that's another reason why i felt like it could give me a good chance of like uh helping the program out and get to where it could be and also you know help me out with uh becoming more of a leader myself yeah those are some excellent excellent reasons and and ones that you know obviously it's good to hear um especially just looking at it from from our team's perspective you are obviously uh one of the most if not the most important part of it because you know you you are right there uh at, at the national title uh winning capability and and are scoring a ton of points for us when it comes to ncaa tournaments so you your your place on our team is so important and, and next year we look to even have a, a stronger team than we could have could potentially ever have. So having you come back to that is something that's super exciting. And then just the fact that it leaves the door open for you to continue to compete, I think is excellent too. What, what kind of gives you reservations or, or kind of makes you uh, not just commit to the idea that you want to wrestle after college? Um, probably just like, I guess like job opportunities and like, um, potentially like, uh, just even like personally, like myself, like my body, like if I'm not feeling like I'm healthy enough to be able to compete, like at my best, like capability, but also like just seeing everybody else, uh, who I wrestle with in the past and like even now uh wrestling in these tournaments and knowing that like i feel like i'm just as good as them i feel like we're way out more than some of uh, you know like job opportunities or like me not feeling like i could do it because like i really want to like test myself like on the olympic scene or the world uh, championship scene so like that's something that I think like I'm like trying to give like a like a big possibility to like compete after. Dude, yes. I I I mean, because I've gotten to travel around with you during that during your Olympic redshirt year when we we're just kind of training, doing the freestyle thing, and and I of course get to sit back and watch and and I'm at these at trials or at the open every year and I see guys in your weight class that that do well and I can't help but always think like dude makai would tear these dudes up like if, if makai was applying himself to just freestyle wrestling that would be it would be absurd like he would he would be right right in the in the mix to to make a world team or or yeah. depending on the year each year so that's that's exciting that that um for you isn't something that you've completely um eliminated from your realm of possibilities because and this is just uh, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at the end of my career freestyle wise. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I still had nowhere near as much success as you, as you've had in, in your college career. But I will say that 
as you continue to compete and say you do make a world team or say you even just say you compete for two years and maybe you make a national team or, or, mm-hmm. or two national teams and you don't ever really achieve that goal yeah. those job opportunities just continue to kind of multiply and they yeah. you 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 become even that much more valuable to depending on where you want to be you become that much more valuable to our program to virginia tech because yeah. you're a guy that's going out there and doing it at the highest level showing uh kids and and potential guys that want to come to virginia tech like look not only can you come here and be a national champ like makai lewis but you can also come here and be a, a world champ like makai lewis is or or or, or an olympian like makai lewis like he did it all right yeah. here so can you and that's that's one of those things that um you know those things are always going to come you're you're always going to have um the, those opportunity opportunities within wrestling at least um that will always present themselves plus you can do it at the same time i mean you've you you already are um doing a lot with your platform while you're in school um from from doing charities which which we'll talk about to um to just being a student so when you when you don't have that student aspect of things thrown in the mix then you have that much more time to to do whatever it is you want to actually do professionally alongside training so um that's awesome man that's awesome and 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 also to to kind of circle back a little bit because there's a there's a little bit of things to to unpack there with as grueling as the college season can be um it's a, it's a no brainer that we do see a lot of guys that don't take that last year of eligibility that say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to move on from college wrestling because it's a long season. Yeah. And you, you've had injuries in the past that have kept you from competing like in 2021 from the NCAA tournament, uh, you, you had to withdraw. And then last year it felt like every time you stepped out there, there was a different part of your body <laughs> that you yeah. had taken up even throughout like the uh, NCAA tournament, it was like, oh yeah, his knee is probably hurting him right now. And then mm-hmm. you dislocated your finger and you had yeah. this and that. How have you been able to overcome all those injuries in the past? Um, I think it's more so like just having like a more positive mindset, you know? Like I think when I got hurt in 2021 and actually couldn't compete no more like at nationals, it kind of made me like change the way I like process things and think thought about like injuries and stuff because like then like I couldn't wrestle like at all, you know? And it was like, it was heartbreaking because I, I like felt like even though I only had, you know, my one arm at the time, like, I still felt like I could all American that year, but it's just like, uh, I didn't, I couldn't really use my left arm so it was like i had nothing like else to give but then um like even like in 2022 when i made it to the finals you know like i was still injured that year like and like i feel like in my head i'm like well if i'm injured everyone else might be injured too like you never know so like i don't want to be like having that as an excuse like this is the reason why this happened like i'm just like just go out there and like try your best like not everything's going to be perfect. Like, even when I won nationals, like, I had a hurt knee and, like, I still got through it, you know? So I just felt like just all that stuff just, like, added up. And I was just like, you know, just just try to keep being positive because even, like, last year, it was, like, hurt my knee and hurt my hamstring and I hurt my hand and my back started hurting again. And I was just like, <laughs> everything, I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, this is just all happening at the wrong time. But, I mean, like, we're going to get through it. So, I just think, like, having a positive mindset, just knowing that's like, you know, you work hard for it. And not everything's going to go as planned. But you just, you know, just you just got to, like, push through it. And, like, you'll get, like, ultimately, you'll get through it. That's a beautiful mindset, man. And that's, that's kind of cool that obviously having to forfeit out of the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago was heartbreaking and it sucked, but ultimately it does seem like it gave you that perspective at least for the future right now or for the present now. And it may be even last year to be like, Hey, I still need to do this. I still have goals that I want to go and achieve. And, and I like the idea of thinking about 
yeah, other people probably have things that that they're dealing with themselves. So yeah. you need to go and get it done regardless of that because yeah. you're not always going to feel good. That's that's incredible. So uh, one other thing that you had mentioned just in terms of coming back. So you had graduated, uh, I think, was that last week that you walked? For yes, graduation? sir. Finally. What did you graduate with? And congratulations so, as well. I graduated with a human development uh, degree. And I'm actually the first person in my immediate family to graduate college. That's so cool, dude. So, and I found that out last week, like, at yeah. So that's, that was like, that's been a leader within your own tribe too, man. Yeah. Like that's setting the bar high for your, for your family, for your siblings. Like, yeah. oh, I, I don't want to just be like him because he's a freaking stud on the map, but I want to be like him because he's successful. Yeah. That's so great, now man. that's why I'm trying to go to grad school. Cause I'm trying to like, you know, just show people, especially like people from back home too. Like, you know, even though, uh, you grow up in certain places or like you don't have as much as the next person, like you could still like, make something of yourself. You know what I mean? And I feel like Absolutely. that's what Absolutely. And you're, you're a tremendous example of that. Um, Cause I, I mean, I still remember when you first got back on the, or when you first got down on the Virginia Tech's campus and I first met you and you, your wallet was just your sock and you had yeah. just like cash in there. And I remember going mm -hmm. to like Wells Fargo and setting up your first bank account. Like you, you literally were starting with just pretty much a blank slate yeah. and, and just continue to take off from there with kind of just figuring out your life and what you wanted. It was really, really something special to see. And all that does kind of come back to you continuing to be a leader um, for, for not just those around you, but for, for where you come from. And that's, that's mm -hmm. actually a good segue into, um, the fact that you, as a student athlete already have gotten a lot of philanthropic things going where you raise money and, and donate it to nonprofits. And you chose to support the center for great expectations in mm -hmm. your hometown of Somerset, New Jersey. How did you end up choosing, uh, that place to be? Uh, where you wanted to donate money to? So growing up, my mom took care of her four uh, nieces and nephews. So two of her nieces and two of her nephews. And I was raised in a big house and seeing that from like my mom taking in her sister's kids and like raising them as her, their, like her own. And like even my dad, like helping her out through it. And like, just like, motivated me to like, you know, change other people's lives. And I wanted to start off with, uh, you know, moms, either like single moms or teen moms. And I remember uh, we were looking at places. And I was like, well, I want to do a place in my hometown because it's like, you know, that, like that's where I'm from. So like if I could help out my hometown in any way, then that like would be perfect. And I came across, um, Center for Great Expectations. And literally it was perfect because they were helping out single moms, you know, who are struggling and even teen moms who probably like their families can't like uh, help them. So like they're like in the program trying to like help these uh, young women or like women who are like almost in their adulthood, like navigate, you know, through like having a kid, trying to find work trying to, you know, just make a living with the situation that they were dealt with. And like seeing that just reminded me of like, you know, how my mom helped my, uh, basically my uh, cousin. So it was something that really like, like it meant something to me. Like it, like it just was like hit close to home. And then also like knowing other single moms in my family, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and seeing how they, you know, get through life and like they like make a living for like their children and like some of my other cousins. So like it made it, it just like, it was just perfect. Like I felt like, so. Is that kind of philanthropy and giving back something that you want to do more of in the future? Yes. Uh, 
actually, I'm trying to do two more. So it's the New Jersey Toy Drive. I'm basically um, trying to raise money for that. And I was, I'm pretty sure I was going to do a clinic in uh, New Jersey. And basically the money that I make from the clinic, I was going to give to uh, the New Jersey Toy Drive. And then for Micah's backpack, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I'm probably going to do another clinic, but just out here in Blacksburg. Sure. But, um, yeah. yeah, just trying to like, you know, do my best with setting that up. And I don't know, in the future, I kind of want to like, just like find places within like Blacksburg and uh, New Jersey that like, you know, I could like just help out. And even in Virginia too, like all around Virginia, it doesn't even just have to be like Blacksburg or Christiansburg, but um, just like finding places within those two states to help out, I feel like would be really nice. And wherever I move in the future too. So you had talked about your mom uh, as a source of inspiration for the charities that you had given back to. Was she a source of inspiration for you in any other ways while you were growing up? Yes, her and my dad too. Um, they both like just taught me how to be like, I guess like, like a man, you know, like, like I, it's just hard to explain, especially like my dad, because normally, uh, like, I don't know, he just instilled in me, like, if I could, like, try to do, like, the best I can with, like, helping others. I feel like my mom did the same thing. So, like, it's just, like, something naturally that I do, you know? And, like, even in the future, like, my future job, I even told uh, people around, like, some of the coaches and some of the people on staff at Blacksburg, they're like, I want a job that, like, help other people. Because, like, I would rather, like, do that and enjoy my job than just, you know, going through the motions, getting paid, out of, like, a lot of money, but, like, not liking the job because, like, it's, like, something that, like, I'm not passionate about. Yeah, so when you talk about a job for you in the future, could you say what you what your dream job would be? Uh, I guess my, well, my dream job is, as long as I'm just helping out, like, people who are in, like, rougher areas, I would say that. Because, like, a lot of times, like, kids who grow up in uh, those type of areas, they don't really... Uh, like they have support, but like some of them don't. And I feel like to be a support system, like a good, like positive support system too, that uh, can like just show them how to navigate like their situation and try to be successful, like in the, their own futures. I feel like that's the type of job I would want, especially with like, you know, already like graduating college and graduating with my degree, I feel like that could be like something I could like really be like good at and like have an impact on other people's lives. So you definitely have the platform already made for that too, because you're just the, the proven example of that already from, from coming from uh, not so great of a situation and becoming something great in your own right. It's, it's really something special and it's even more um, special to want to go and make that your area of impact that you want to, that you want to change for the future, man. That's, that's some inspirational stuff. And speaking mm -hmm. of inspiration uh, to kind of go back a little bit, you won the NCAA tournament just in your second year of college after your redshirt year. How did you develop the belief in yourself that you could actually go and win the NCAA tournament? Um, so the funny thing is, I remember, uh, when I first was getting recruited by a dresser, like, obviously, like, you go, and they ask you, well, do you want to win nationals? Like, 
of course, like who doesn't want to win nationals, you know? But I remember when um, Roby, when he was first starting out as the head coach, this was my first year down at Tech. And I literally sat in his office. I was like, I would do whatever it takes until I win a national title. Like I want to be a national champion, you know? And I don't care if I'm Virginia Tech's first national champion, second or third, but I'm winning nationals. And um, like he just saw the belief in my eyes. And I just remember that next year, like just working hard and listening to a lot of the older guys too, like Dave and uh, Zach Savasky, who like helped me out, like navigate, you know, situation where like maybe I lost the match, but felt like I should have won or had a close match that I felt like I should have dominated more. Um, they like really instilled in me, like it's a long season and that like, you're going to just get, keep getting better and better. Coach Freyer kept saying that I was going to keep getting better and better. Coach Roby. And um, it came to a point where like all of them believed in me, you know, before I even believed in myself, like once the point actually was like coming up with like ACCs and nationals. And then I just remember uh, I had a really bad ACCs and I still won, but like, I, I it wasn't the tournament I wanted to have. Like, I think I like overworked myself that whole entire week, week doing too much. And then I remember um, Coach Fred told me to like relax and like, just like, you know, just uh, like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I just need to like calm down. And I remember just heading into nationals and feeling good. And I was like, you know what? I think I could win. Like, I think, I think this might be, you know, my year. And I remember wrestling that first match. I was like, you know, I got a pin. I, don't, I haven't pinned somebody in a, a while. So <laughs> I was like, I, they better watch out now. So yeah, I was just, I was like excited. And then also it helped to being in a room with ZZ because like, he's like, you know, like on the team at the time, he was like, uh, I'm pretty sure he was a senior. Yeah. That was Z's senior year. Yeah. So he, uh is mature. He been through this tournament a whole bunch of times. Like just every time, like getting back to the hotel room, having him be like, you know, like get off your phone or like, we just having conversations about like other stuff, taking my mind off the nationals. And then as soon as we're ready to leave, like we're back on it, you know, like focus, like dialed in. It was like good for me. And uh, just having like everybody around me support me and like, just like their belief in me made me believe in myself. I felt like. that's great. So that's awesome. So like once that final uh, whistle was in the finals, I remember I was so nervous. That's why I walked out. Like I didn't run because if I would have ran, I was even nervous. Trip. About, yeah, like I was nervous. <laughs> I can't fall. I can't embarrass myself because it's on national television. Like everybody's watching me right now. I was like, just relax. Like it's just a match. I remember. Uh, as soon as the whistle blew and we started wrestling, all those nerves just went away. And it just felt like, you know, uh, kind of felt like I was wrestling back in, like when I was like a kid again, where, you know, you compete to, and do stuff. Cause like you love it and you want to win. And I just remember um, towards the end of that match, being so happy, almost like like got off him and started celebrating. It was like 15 seconds left. And I remember Coach Frey like yell at me, he's like, stay on top of him. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, was, I was so happy. <laughs> and uh, and then like just finally like having that like just like moment of realization, like, like I actually did it was like just the best feeling. And that's just something like I like just can't explain, you know? But it was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. I feel similarly where when I think back to that moment, it was so surreal. Just, just how well you wrestled in the finals combined with just how genuine your um, emotions were afterwards. Like it was just the most picture perfect thing I, I, mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Probably one of my favorite sporting moments across all sports that I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, 
partly because of the fact that you were kind of an underdog as well. You, you know, not, not a lot of people were mm. discussing the fact that I believe maybe you're the sixth seed or maybe if, if I have it right, um, you know, you, you weren't slated as the guy to get it done that year. And that made it that much yeah. more special. I, I, I remember when the uh, seeds came out and I was about to look at the bracket and Fred goes, don't look at the bracket. I was like, oh, all right. I was like, well, what seed I am? And, you know, I'm like thinking, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm like like a fifth seed, you know, or something. And he's like, yeah, you're the eighth seed. I was like, dang, really? I was like, yeah. I was like, all right. And, uh, so I didn't know who I would have. I just remember um, I was like, well, if I'm the eighth seed, who's the first seed? <laughs> and then like, 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 that, like I just didn't know. Until like a day before the tournament, I ended up going on my phone, which I shouldn't have. But they were like talking about uh, like top seeds and stuff, and then they like talked about Marinelli. I was like, "Oh, I beat him before." I was like, "Wait," and then I was like, "He's the number one seed." I was like, "All right." And then uh, next thing I know, uh, like every single match, like I didn't know who I was wrestling until after my match. They had me cool down, and then Freya would tell me, like, you got this person next. And I was like, oh, okay. And you got this person next. I'm not going to lie. The only time I was scared when he told me who I had next was my semifinals because uh, Evan Wick just pinned. Yeah. Uh, dang, Chance yeah. Marceller. I lost him yeah. twice. The at, the, at the Southern so Scuffle. Like, at the Southern he, Scuffle, right? Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, he pinned him in the first period. I was like, oh, this is about to be bad. Because then I I went back to it again. I was like, oh, we're going to be on national television. (laughs) Like, what if I get pinned on national television? That's going to be so bad. And then, like, I just remember I told myself, I was like, just calm down. Like, the match didn't even happen yet. Like, you need to relax. And then, uh, like... I remember, like, even in that match, like, as soon as the whistle blew, like, it just felt like natural. Yeah. I love he- hearing how human your emotions are throughout this whole process. Like, you know, you, you talk to some dudes and they're just like, oh, I'm focused on this. And, I, like, they're just so robotic about it where, dude, obviously people yeah. get worried about getting pinned on national television or worry about running out of the tunnel yeah. and tripping and falling. And, like, that, that's, that's more of the stuff that just, I mean, it just makes you more relatable and, I think that translates better into helping other people like just you know the just telling people to relax like you got that and and relying on your support system mm-hmm. like your teammates and your coaches is so important in moments like that because you yeah. can you can just defeat yourself before you even the moment even comes to you so was it was yeah. it different after winning ncas that that next year by the time you you started to compete again um having that target on your back. Now everybody knows exactly who you are. They know what you do. They know that you got the baddest defense uh, of anybody in the NCAA. Uh, Was it different competing with that target on your back? Yeah, because like people, you know, they game plan for you. They know what you're good at now. So it was just like, for me, like how can I adapt and, you know, do add more to my wrestling where it's like now they have to watch out for you know this compared to like you know what I was doing last year and I don't know sometimes it was a little rough I'm not gonna lie like I was getting like a little down on myself because I I felt like I wasn't wrestling as good as I was the year before and like I always was trying to like compare myself to like you know, my freshman year when I did win, it was like, you know, sure. I was like dominating. And like, even if it didn't look like I dominated a person and I won, it's still like in my head, like I felt like, like to me, I was like, well, they like I'm just not going to lose, you know, that next year it's just like something like was a little bit more off. And I think also it was because I took Olympic rusher too, that like, yeah, it was like I wasn't dialed in because I didn't have to compete every single week or like get ready for a match like you know every Friday or have a tournament like that weekend you know, and yeah, like it kind of threw me off like the like subtle change 
So, and then also COVID, which that just messed up a lot of people, you know, and that really affected me mentally because I was just like, you know, I took this Olympic red shirt just to not compete in the Olympics or like not try to compete for like to make it into Olympics for like the uh, world trial. I mean, the Olympic trials. So, um, yeah, it messed up that entire year and it really did. Um, any momentum that that you had had, you didn't really get to channel it into that next year directly. Yeah. Kind of just went into that Olympic year and then just kind of fizzled out because yeah. there was no Olympic trials even to to go and compete. And in. I like kind of do like have like regrets on that year because I felt like I could have did a lot way better than what I did, but at the same time I felt like it just helped me. Like everything happens for a reason, you know. So like say if I didn't go through what I went through that year, who's to say that like I would have been in the national finals again or been like a three time yeah. all American. So like at the same time, like I, I still am grateful for like that whole situation happening. Yeah, and you have to look at things like that as a as a competitor, like all all of your past experiences, whether failures or success, they need to feed into that next version of Makai. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna be that's gonna be better than he was before. Like you, even if yeah. they weren't ideal, and, and all you can do is hey, you you can look back and say hey, I wish I used my red or that Olympic red shirt year a little bit differently. But you know you're a leader on this team now, and when guys go and maybe redshirt this upcoming year, you can tell them like hey, look. I messed up this, this, and this. I wish I would have maybe was a little bit more focused on this during that year. And you could help lead them and help guide them, which is which is a special yeah. thing to do. So to kind of segue away from the serious questions, I had uh, I had gotten word that one of your pre-match rituals is you like to watch WWE matches so you can get amped up. Uh, <laughs> so that's not like okay that's that's the so it's true thing. though that's not you like, watch wwe to get yeah, fired up to do wrestling the actual match but like some matches not all of them but some matches like like say if i'm like feeling like i need to get riled up like i'm not you know like riled up like i'll just you know, watch some old '90s WWE. You know, Stone Cold, uh, Steve Austin, <laughs> The Rock, uh, Triple H, uh, The Undertaker. Like I, I remember, uh, what was it? It was um, I was watching compilations of the Stone Cold Stunners, and like seeing like how like hype and excited he gets after he hits yeah. the like stunner. And like seeing like how hyped like the crowd gets and stuff. Like I was just like, yeah, like you know, like that's gonna be me tomorrow <laughs> when I wrestle. Like I'm gonna hit like I'm gonna hit like a double or something. I'm gonna hit my pass by and it's gonna get the crowd all excited and they go like two, you know, like doing stuff like that. And I don't know, it just gets me amped up. And then like it makes me wanna be like, like, I'm about to mess this dude up. Like he's not gonna beat me, you know? Like he coming in my house thinking he's gonna beat me, you know. Was WWE something you watched growing up? And that's basically how we got into wrestling. Cause my mom, yeah, cause my mom would complain to like her friends and stuff, like how rough we were. And like football was our outlet. And then after that, we didn't have nothing else to do. So then um, one of my mom's friends, uh, I think boyfriend at the time, was the head coach of a wrestling club in our hometown. And basically she put us in and I remember my first practice, I got in trouble because I was trying to hit like WWE moves. So they put me on the side so I could like learn like how to actually wrestle. No way. I never thought that you were one of the dudes that started wrestling because they watched WWE. Wow. Yep. Literally like legit, I was like, I remember it would be times like I, my mom would catch me on the dresser about to jump on my brother and she would be like screaming, like, get down. Or like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> you know? And also, too, I know you were kind of a heck of a football player when you were playing in high school, too. What what led you away from football and towards the sport of wrestling? 
to pursue uh, in college? Well, basically, so the high school I went to uh, was a group one school. So in New Jersey, that's like one of the smaller schools. So a lot of times you don't really hear like kids getting picked up, like especially at D1 schools. So um, I remember my wrestling coach just basically told me that like I should just focus on uh, wrestling because like I can have an opportunity to like do really good and uh, get into college. And the first time I actually came to Tech was like my sophomore year. I remember uh, Dresser was talking. Also, uh, Dan Gable was here. He was talking to uh, a bunch of us when it was like um, wrestling Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Oh wow. And. Um, yeah, I was actually at that match. I saw you win. Oh, wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was like, it was then where I was like, I ain't coming to this school. Like, what? I'm not wrestling in uh, college. And then ironically, like a year or two later, I committed to Virginia Tech. So I thought that was like pretty funny. But then also, too, I got hurt my sophomore year. Um, playing football and I had to wrestle with a hurt knee that entire year. And my coach kind of was mad at the football coach as my wrestling coach. And that was like another reason why he told me not to play football no more. Cause he thought I had a chance to win States if I wasn't hurt, but I ended up taking third. Well, I'm glad it worked out the way that it did. That was like a running joke that we kind of had especially in the off season when you kind of get a little bit bigger, like the 180 plus range, we're like, yeah. dude, we can't let any of the football coaches see this guy. <laughs> we can't, we can't <laughs> let them watch, watch Makai play handball ever or else we're never going to see this dude again. Speaking of WWE guys too, they all have cool nicknames. You yourself have a nickname. Where did bro bro originate from? Uh, to be honest with you, from Dave, like, because I when I first came down here, I would always call, like, I would say, like, that to people. Like, I'd be like, thanks, bro, bro. But it was on text. So, I like, I would text message, like, people, like, and I would always use, like, bro, bro all the time. And I think everybody started realizing that. And then I forget, it was one day, um... Uh, I think it was I think it was Dave or Cody. One of them was like they said something something right, bro, bro. I was like, bro, bro. I was like, who is that? I was like, you. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they was like, you always text it to us. Like, it might as well like that. That's your nickname now, like bro, bro. And then like ever since then, like anytime somebody like calls me, like I don't care. I like the nickname. So that's funny. I didn't know. I thought for some reason that you kind of brought it with you or you established that it was your nickname. No, my Not nickname. The other way around. No, my nickname in high school was like Chicken Legs, Chicken Strips. Yes. Like I, had such I remember Chicken legs. legs was your Twitter handle. I don't yeah. know if it still is or not. No, it's not no more. But because everybody used to call me that because I like I had such like my legs were so small in high school. Like they're not that much bigger now, but like in high school, like there were twigs. Yeah. So it was like it was kind of funny because it looked like, like I'm like this like, like big upper body, but then like like small legs. So I remember um, one of my friends like, he wasn't even like trying to make a joke. He was just like, hey, yo, chicken legs, come here. And I was like, chicken legs. And then, <laughs> and then it basically just stuck. I think bro bro is a little better than chicken legs, though, to be yeah. honest. I think that was more so, too, because, like, you know, we're in high school. So, like, high school nicknames, like, some of them is, like, good, but other ones is, like, uh, you know. Yeah, we can maybe let chicken legs fizzle out a little bit. We'll stick with bro bro. And with that bro bro, we're coming up on almost an hour. So I will let you go to enjoy the rest of your afternoon, to let you enjoy some Jamaican food with Mr. Uigui. Have you ever had Jamaican food? Oh yeah, I go to this truck all the time. It's probably the reason why I'm pretty thick right now. What do you get? 
Is it like curry so, type stuff or what? Uh, so you could get like you, it's just a whole bunch of Jamaican food. Like I got oxtails. Like uh, I got oxtails. Uh, last time I got crab legs with um, jerk ribs. Um, Dang. Another time I got uh, curry goat. This time I might get the browns. Uh, the brown stew chicken. And like the sides are like um, cabbage, uh, macaroni, rice, and peas. They also got, uh, I'm pretty sure they got beef patties. I need to ask them if they got beef patties or Jamaican patties. Yeah. And yeah, like it's a whole, it's so good. Like I took my family there after uh, my graduation and they were like, it was like, where'd you get crab legs for from? I was like, from the truck, it's a special today. It was like, when you was gonna tell us? I was like, what well, was on the flyer? You guys didn't ask me. <laughs> so, yeah. But like the place is so good, but it's, it's like, but they give you a lot of food too. So like, I think like for like the prices, like the prices are actually pretty good because a lot of places like these don't really give you a lot of food and then they try to like overprice it. Yeah, when I think of food truck, I don't think of, I'm about to eat a ton of food, I think. Yeah. So small plates, like a handful of tacos or like a small burger or something like that. But tons of Jamaican food, that's a little different. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I might get, because last time I got two trays, this time I might just get one tray and then like some like extra meat on the side. Very, very nice. Keeping it. Keeping it lower carb, lower calorie, higher. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm watching. I'm watching my weight. (laughs) All right, Makai Woes. Dude, great having you on. I look forward to talking to you again in the future, maybe after another NCAA title. And I am so happy to share with other people uh, what led you to come back this past year or this next year. And, and why you still want to keep competing and doing all the awesome things that you're going to do. So thank you very much for your time today, brother. Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. You got it, dude. All right, well, I'll see you soon. As always, thank you so much for listening. I'm always humbled by the amount of people that support the show and that love hearing about all the fantastic young men that we have in our program. Thank you.